Hey, my fellow monkeys, what's up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you on the Armed Ape Podcast, the show where we review and talk about everything from guns, gear, and movies to life in general. Nothing is ever out of bounds. As always, everything we talk about has the end goal of making our lives better by cutting through all the marketing BS using logic, reason, and honest discussions. I look forward to hearing from you soon and to your participation in the show. All right, monkeys, before we jump into the show, let's go ahead and get some of our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact me, I have a few different ways that you can do that. We have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-APE1, 206-745-2731. If you would like to record your own audio and have me play that for you on the show, or if you would like to write in an email and I can read that out for you, you can send that to me at thearmedape at gmail.com, all one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. Over on the website, I have the Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube buttons. If you'd like to throw some financial love my way, there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. I do have a PayPal donation button. I also have an Amazon search box where it says help support the show. Basically, the way that it works is if you go through my site, so if you use that search box or if I've got a, a link to a specific product, and you click on that and you end up buying it, Amazon basically gives me a finder's fee. There's no additional cost, so shipping isn't extra. There's nothing like that. So if you were going to purchase something anyway through Amazon, I would appreciate it if you could go through my site and, again, kind of throw me some financial love. It does help support the show, and it helps me pay for things like bandwidth for hosting and for domain names. I think that's going to do it, so let's go ahead and jump into the show. All right, my friends. Well, I hope you will find it in your hearts to forgive me because I haven't put out a show in over a month. My last show was in, uh, what was it, in July. Today is September the 1st. It's a Sunday, and it's 2013. Without going into all the gory details, um, and I had posted a little bit on this on the Firearms Cafe page uh, about that it just seemed like every time I had any little bit of free time, something would come up. So we dealt with some illness. We, we also had a little bit of a mini vacation. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that and uh, do some kind of recommendations if you're ever out in Arizona. Uh, oh, and I guess I should mention that most of you guys who listen to the show regularly know that I live in Arizona. I live down in the Phoenix area. And one of the really neat things about living in Arizona is that from the Phoenix area, Within two, three hours, you can be in a totally different environment, totally different weather patterns, a totally different landscape that has all its own you know, individual needs. So how maybe if you were dressed appropriately in Phoenix, by the time you get maybe to your destination in Flagstaff or up around the Mogollon Rim, you may need to have some different clothing. Uh, so anyway... Where we ended up going on our mini vacation, and I would I would recommend if anybody is out in Arizona, if you have some free time, uh, or if you're just kind of traveling around, is to go up and uh, stay up in the Rim Country area. There's some just some really neat places. Um, there is uh, Wood, Woods Canyon Lake, and there's also Willow Springs Lake, which are they're right next to each other basically. Uh, they're within probably oh I don't know maybe a mile or so of each other. Um, but again, what's nice about 
that rim country area is you're much higher in elevation. So you have the tall ponderosa pines. Uh, in fact, a lot of times in the winter, it gets so cold up there because you're 7,000 feet plus in elevation. Uh, they close off a lot of the trails because you can't get in there. Um, you can kind of walk in, but they, they close it off to motor vehicle stuff. Anyway, uh, kind of digressing off a little bit. Well, I guess not because I'm talking about vacation stuff. But anyway, um, to what's nice is living down in, in the valley and here in the Phoenix area, it, of course, it gets super hot. So it's nice to be able to go up north and get out of the heat. So an example is when we left Phoenix, it was around oh, probably about a hundred and about 110 probably. And by the time we got up to where we were staying, which is, uh, oh, up around like the Christopher Creek area, we're actually a little bit further past that. Um, but where we were, it was in the low 80s and that would be the high. And then at night, it got down to where it was very pleasant. Um, in fact, it actually, um, the second night we were there, it got, it was actually pretty cool. That wasn't like freezing cold or anything, but it was nice and cool. Um, we ended up going fishing at Willow Springs Lake, uh, which is a nice, it's a real pretty lake. It's super clear the water there is. Um, and, and like I said, if you're in Arizona, or if you live in Arizona and you haven't been up there, do yourself a favor and go up there if you, you know if you're if you like the outdoors at all. There was also a place where, and I can't remember the name of it, and I'd have to try and uh, f try and find it on a map or something like that. But anyway, like I said, we had gone fishing at Willow Springs Lake, and we didn't have any luck there. So one of the things that we had done uh, up in Sedona, uh, maybe a year or so ago is we went to uh, uh, basically a fish farm where they guarantee that you'll, you know, you'll cast a f catch a fish. And what they do is they basically they have these huge ponds and they feed um, the trout or whatever they've got in there. And you can throw in your little bamboo. Uh, you've got your little line on your little bamboo pole and you throw that in. And they're so used to being fed that, boom, they hit on that stuff right away. And then they'll usually will clean them for you there. And then you can cook out, you can cook them there if, you, if you're going to go stay somewhere else or something. You can wrap them up if you've got a cooler and then take them and cook them later. So the place that, that we did was a uh, a really neat place. They actually had a cabin there. It's just, it's it's really beautiful. And I can't remember the name of the place. If, if I can, if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes over at the website, uh, which is thearmedape.com. And this would be for show number 69. Uh, but again, it's sort of that same layout. And because this is maybe up or around um, like the Pace and Heber area, you know, kind of in between there, there wasn't a lot of people there. In fact, when we were there, some people were leaving, and then we were we had the pretty much the place to ourselves. And the, the grounds are really, really pretty. Um, so anyway, we caught a couple of rainbow trout that they had in there and uh, took them to the guy. He cleaned them for us, and then we took them down to this, one of the little gazebos and cooked them. Now, unfortunately... <laughs> My wife and my daughter aren't big fish eaters, so I got to eat up all that fish. Oh, man, it was good, good eating. You can't get fresher than that. I mean, out of the pond, cleaned, onto the grill. Uh, just really, really good, really good fresh fish. And to me, of course, it didn't have, I mean, it had a fish taste. Obviously, it's fish eating. But you know how some fish can be have a much stronger fish flavor. And to me, having these things come right out of their little pond and everything, 
boy, it was good. Uh, so I would recommend, and again, like I said, I'll try and find the name of that place. Uh, and like I said, they have a cabin up there where you can stay. Uh, it's pricey, and I don't know that we would ever do it. Uh, but if you're staying up there in that cabin, other than the caretakers, probably at a certain point they close. So let's say they close at, I don't know, six or something like that, six or seven. After that, you would pretty much have that the, the run of the place all to yourself. Uh, so anyway, again, if you're ever in Arizona, um, there are tons of places that you can go. Um, a lot of times the, uh, the Willow Springs Lake and the uh, Wood Canyons Lake area aren't that crowded. If you want to do camping, you can go back. Um, you kind of travel a little bit north and west of Woods Canyon Lake. And I do a lot of camping and stuff up and through there. There's tons of places where you can go. There's also another little lake, um, which is smaller, called Bear Canyon Lake, which is kind of a really neat, uh, neat place to go. And all these places you can get to in just like a regular car. None of the they're they're sort of the old Forest Service roads and stuff. Some of them, when you turn off onto side areas, are kind of rough. But for the most part, you could take just a regular passenger car and get to all these places. Uh, let's see. I think that's about it. I wanted to say for the vacation stuff, um, or for the recommendations. Also, uh, if you wanted to go up further, well, let's just say if you wanted to go up further north and kind of keep into that same type of country, that same tall woods, you can go up into the Flagstaff area, uh, which is about 170 miles or so north of Phoenix. And, uh, then there's other little town like Williams and some other places that you can go, uh, and especially if you go off into some of these, um, like outside of Flagstaff. So if you go down into Williams and you can go off into some trails out there, you'll you'll sort of see other people. They'll kind of like driving by or something, but it's not really overcrowded. Um, there is some other places in the White Mountains, which is over toward the uh, toward the New Mexico border, uh, and then you have towns like Alpine. Uh, Nutrioso, um, and those because because they're 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 quite a bit further um, away. You they're, they're they're generally not as crowded. Uh, now, also one of the things with that is if you're going like into that Alpine Nutrioso area. There's not a lot of infrastructure there, so to speak. Um, but the country is real pretty. Again, it's not as crowded because it's so far away that not as many people go there. Uh, if you're going up like into the Flagstaff area, it sometimes can be real crowded, especially once they get uh, a good snow there just because it's so quick to get there from Phoenix. So anyway, I kind of prattled on about that stuff enough. Um, if any of you guys have any that, are, that live out in Arizona or if you have places that are really cool that you like that are out here or, or uh, even in your state, like uh, we have some feedback from Dave in Utah today. So if you have some places that are really cool out in Utah that, are, that you would recommend for people to go visit, uh, call in or write into the show and I'll go ahead and uh, read that out for you. All right, let's go ahead and jump in with our, some of our reviews that we've got. And again, this is from, that I mentioned before, this is from Dave in Utah, and he writes in, Hey, Tony, this is Dave in Utah. I've been meaning to do a review of the CCW Comfort Sling, 
and now finally have some time. And then he gives a website link, which I will put on there. I don't have the review criteria right in front of me, but I'll try to be concise. This is kind of as an aside. The criteria for maybe some of their new listeners is what I like to do is I like to ask about five questions when you review a product. You don't have to do it this way, uh, but I find that it, it can help um, if you're not sure where to start or how to do it. It can kind of help give you a guideline. So the, the first question you ask is, what was this thing designed to do? The second thing you ask is, how well does it do it? The third thing you talk about is if there's any failures. So what are the cons of it? Uh, the fourth thing is, what modifications or what changes would you like to see the manufacturer make? And then the fifth thing is, did you do any modifications to it? And if you did it, did it make it better? Did it make it worse? Did it stay about the same? So anyway, let's jump back into Dave's email. He writes, this is a good concept with poor execution. The idea behind the sling is for it to act as a one or two shoulder suspender and support the weight of your handgun. It should eliminate the need to constantly pull your pants up, and it's tuckable. I heard Bob Main's podcast interview with the inventor and decided to try it out. I almost immediately noticed the product's major flaw, the design of the tuckable J-hooks. Starting at where the hooks attach to the belt, the, plastics, the plastic hooks hook under your belt, then move behind your belt and up and over your waistband down into your pants. The plastic goes four or so inches down into your pants to accommodate a tuck shirt. At the bottom of the hook, down inside your pants, is where the shoulder strap rivets to the hook. The strap is riveted to the front or outward facing side of the hook, then is supposed to loop under the bottom of the hook and go back up between the hook and your body. What happens is the J-hook is turned into a lever, where the fulcrum is at your belt and the fourth is exerted on the bottom of the hook inside your pants. Throughout the day, the strap going over your shoulder will pull the hooks all over the place. The hooks stop anchoring themselves on your belt and don't really even hold the gun at the right height. So instead of having to pull your pants up periodically, you now have to pull your pants up and fix the J-hook so that they sit vertically. One time at a campsite, I was stooped over trying to start a fire and realized that the J-hooks had oriented themselves parallel to my belt. For a product that cost $50, I'd really expected that it would work better. Performance could be improved if the J-hooks had another bend in them and the shoulder strap attached above the belt line. But I really don't think that this offers any improvement over a sturdy set of suspenders, which you could get at Cabela's for about $20. I wouldn't really recommend this product to anyone who was considering it. I appreciate the show. Hopefully more people will participate. Signed, Dave in Utah. Well, again, Dave, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. And like we've talked about before, sometimes the products that we're going to review aren't going to necessarily be positive. It's not that we're beating up on them, but if they're designed to do a certain thing and they don't really do that thing that well, uh, it, it's good to know about it. And so, again, thanks, Dave, for sending that in. I appreciate it, and I hope to hear from you again soon. All right, let's move on to our second review today, and this is from Paul. And he writes in, Uncle Silverback, thanks for the great show. I look forward to your down-to-earth style. Each time a new episode is in my feed. I've been listening for about a year and figured I would contribute with a small review of my EDC flashlight. EDC stands for Everyday Carry. Uh, the product is 47's Prion 2. I think that's how you pronounce it. P-R-E-O-N 2. I'll put a link to that in the website. 
Pros, the light is very small and light due to its two AAA batteries. It is slightly shorter than the average pin. It has low, medium, high strobe, high beacon, and low beacon modes. It has an excellent battery life and is easy to switch modes. The max output is 160 lumens, which has been more than adequate. I typically use it on low or medium and have been very happy with it. The cons. The tail cap activation is easy to inadvertently switch. If left in a pocket, it will typically turn on when you sit down. Modifications. The tail cap can be unscrewed and the protruding metal button can be removed. I then screw the tail cap back on to leave it with a rubber button which now runs flush with the tail cap. I have no problems turning it on or off or switching modes and it's never turned on by accident now. Overall, it's a perfect light for me. It replaced my 511 PLX pen light due to its smaller diameter and weight. Looking forward to more great shows, Paul. All right, Paul, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it and hope to hear from you again real soon. As a little bit of an aside, and we'll kind of cross-pollinate with the shows here, on Firearms Cafe, I've been talking a lot about the Zimmerman trial in the last few episodes over there. And one of the things I think that would have helped Zimmerman a lot and probably could have helped him avoid the predicament that he found himself in was if he had had a flashlight with him. And I'm not going to go into uh, a bunch of the junk about the Zimmerman case here just because I've, I've addressed a bunch of that over at Firearms Cafe. But the idea of carrying a flashlight with you all the time is is such a good idea. It has so many uses. Um, and the smaller lights, like what we're talking about here, that is basically the size and weight of a pin that you can tuck into your shirt pocket. Or if you don't have a shirt pocket, if you've got a button-down shirt or even a T-shirt, you can just tuck it up in the collar. And it doesn't look out of place. It's, they're not super, super duper heavy, uh, so that you can you can use them. You can have them there with you all the time. And a lot of times people think, well, you know, why do I really need to carry a flashlight all the time? Well, you know, they come in really handy if you go to the movies a lot. They come in handy if you're going out to to eat. Sometimes the the restaurants they want to have the ambiance, and so the lights are lowered. And if your kid drops something, it's nice to be able to just pop out your little flashlight, and there you go. Uh, but it's also great, you know, if you're if you're coming out again at the movies and it's nighttime, you might want to be able to have that flashlight if you know if, if you're getting kind of a creepy vibe or something like that. Uh, if you can see that, see a problem, and identify that problem, you can usually avoid that problem. Uh, so anyway, again, thanks Paul for sending that in. I appreciate it, and uh, again, hope to hear from you guys real soon. All right, let's move on to our third and final review, and this is from Tom in Virginia. Tom writes in, Hey, Tony, sorry about being out of touch for so long. After Newtown happened last year, I had other fish to fry. But haven't missed an episode of either of your two shows. I've had this holster for about nine months or so now. It's the Micro Mamba CE from Jason Christensen at Concealment Solutions. The CE stands for Combat Edition, which means it's cut lower to allow a full grip when drawing. As the photos show, it also has a magazine holder attached in front of the pistol. Alright, as a quick aside here, Tom mentioned that he had attached some photos to the email. I will put those over on the Facebook listener page, which is The Armed Ape, and that way you guys can go and check them out and uh, see what he's got. I don't think 
his uh, the photo of his firearm shows serial numbers or anything. If there is, I'll block those out. But I, like I said, I don't I don't see any here. Uh, but I did want the the photos that he sent were really good, and I wanted you guys to be able to see sort of what he's talking about, and it kind of helps to uh, to always have a visual. Anyway, jumping back into uh, Tom's email. Additionally, the backer is made from horsehide instead of cowhide. While only about one eighth of an inch thick, it resists wet better than cowhide. I wanted an IWB, which stands for an inside the waistband holster for the Ruger LCP to free up my pockets. I like pocket carry too, but carry too much other crap like most of us. I also wanted to carry an extra mag where I could reliably find it. The Micro Mamba fits the bill. I couldn't be happier. The horsehide broke in quickly and wears well. It has started uh, to curl slightly at the front bottom, but it's merely a cosmetic problem. I know that the Ruger LCP is not my first choice for a carry gun, but... With the Crimson Trace laser guard, I can hit what I need to. I can't really think of a modification to improve the holster at all. The fit, finish, and attention to detail are incredible. With the holster being the combat edition made out of horsehide and accepting my LCP with a laser guard and a spare magazine, the price was just over $100. Not cheap, but well worth it. I can carry this setup anywhere without concern of being made. I've even worn it under a white t-shirt. It just disappears. I wouldn't ordinarily carry a magazine on my strong side, but this tiny pistol isn't exactly conducive to speed reloads anyway. Take care and thanks for allowing me to participate again. Best regards to you and your family. And that's signed from Tom in Roanoke, Virginia. So again, thanks Tom for sending that in. Appreciate it and look forward to hearing from you again really, really soon. I know I say that on uh, after every review, but it is true. I, I, I really appreciate you guys uh, being a part of the show, being a part of kind of the community that we have in our in our our listener base, uh, and I I really like it when you guys send stuff in. So let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, um, just a couple of the terms that Tom used. He was talking about that. You, uh, uh, I think I mentioned already that the inside the waistband just means it tucks in. It's, it's not on the outside of your body like how a policeman would have or. Uh, you know, an old west guy where you see the holster and everything inside the waistband basically just means that it tucks down on the inside of your pants between you, you and your pants. Uh, he also talked about strong side. What he means by that, not carrying a magazine on there is usually if you have to do a reload, you would have your magazine on your, uh, non-firing hand. So let's say that if you're right-handed, normally you're going to carry the firearm on your right side and if you have an extra magazine you'll carry that on your left side because when you do a reload uh, with a semi-auto pistol usually you're bringing that up uh, with your left hand and putting that into the pistol the way that the the little ruger lcp is set up it's not going to be the speediest thing to reload so kind of reaching across your body and and pulling that magazine out and putting that in it's really not going to be that big a deal uh, and again most of this uh, most of this stuff is, is training issues and you can you can work and train with it now kind of as a side i talked i think i talked on this show the the thing that he's got is basically what i want i want that exact setup that he's got um 
Also, as kind of as another aside, last year I did the uh, the Mag Forty class up in Utah, and I got to to meet Jason. He's a nice guy. Uh, Tom is right. His attention to detail and the fit and finish on his stuff is really really good. the The price of a hundred dollars when you're getting like a really quality holster and you got to you got to think of this stuff some people may say man that seems like a lot but the average holster anyway is probably something like this would be maybe 70 to 80 dollars anyway uh, and it may not be that well made um generally holsters like this with the kydex and the leather the horse hide and stuff are going to last you a long long time um also if stuff does start to wear out i'm sure if you contacted him he would he would either fix it for you or, or just send you out a new one or something like, you know, send your old one in, he'll send you a new one, that type of thing. Um, but anyway, I, I would say you could buy pretty much anything from him with confidence. When I was up there in Utah and saw some of the stuff that he made, like I said, it's really good. It's, it's high quality. You're basically getting a Cadillac, uh, a Cadillac type holster from him. Now I talked about in the past that I had maybe thought about throwing my hat into the ring as far as, you know, doing some holster making and things like that. And I still may, um, right now I've, I just don't have the, the time to really devote to that. I've been, and also again, these are, these would be products that people are going to be used potentially to save their life or to protect themselves or protect their family. So you, I want to make sure that I know a hundred percent what I'm doing that the materials that I'm going to be using are fine. Now, I've made some what I would call range holsters, which are just outside the waistband holsters. Um, and I've made some magazine holsters or magazine holders and things like that that would go to the outside. And I'm getting pretty confident with those. So I may, um, you know, I don't know, I may put some of that stuff on, uh, on the Facebook page or something like that eventually. Uh, but for right now, I don't think I have... I don't have it down good enough to where I would want to sell it to somebody and then have them use that as a, basically as, as a, um, life saving equipment, which is basically, you know, what it is long term. Um, with, when you, when you, uh, when you look at also on, on the picture, you'll notice that behind the kydex or behind the black part, that the leather is kind of cut way low. The reason that that's like that is what Tom was mentioning before, which was that combat edition or the combat cut. What that allows you to do is to get your hand down around the grip of the pistol so that you get a good firing grip. Um, because what you grab onto and when you pull out is kind of what you got. Uh, you're not going to really, if you're in that situation, you're not probably going to have a lot of time to fumble around with the grip. So you don't want your holster, a part of the holster, to interfere with that draw stroke and you're accessing the pistol. That's going to draw our review section of the show today to a close. It's time to whip out my pimp cane and beat some knowledge into your heads. So listen up, motherfuckers. All right, this is the part of the show where I like to talk about what I've been reading or what, like if I got any recommendations or if I think there's some other good podcasts out there that you should listen to. Uh, if you're a firearms guy, um, Ken Kowalski, who's a good buddy of mine, is doing a new podcast called Modern Rifleman, and you can find that over at iTunes. Um, there is the uh, 
the Road Gunner podcast with Chaz. Uh, that's always a good one. If you let's let's talk though about like some movie podcasts that I like. There is uh, Johnny Krug who does the Kruger Nation Horror Podcast, and again, all the stuff you'll be able to find over on iTunes. Uh, there's Mike and Shane who do the uh, the Corpse Cast, and these are uh, these ones are primarily like horror centric and horror focused, horror movie focused. Uh, there is uh, Vince Rotolo and his wife Mary. Also, they have a co-host uh, Nick who's over there, and um, that is the B Movie Cast. And I pimp those guys all the time. Um, as far now, some, most of you guys know who who listen to this show is that I am very libertarian leaning. Out of all the political parties, they they offer. In as much as a, a political party can, they seem to mirror a lot of my uh, political philosophies and ideals. Um, what I like about the libertarian philosophy, not necessarily the party. I'm never a big fan of of you know the parties and the organization of it, uh, but the philosophy of you know don't do any harm to anybody. Don't steal from people. Don't defraud them. And don't tell them what to do. You don't want to be told how to live your life. And so if you accept that philosophy, that liberty is for everybody, you don't get to tell people what they get to do. So they may do stuff that you don't like. Well, tough. You probably do stuff that they don't like. And you don't want them to tell you what to do. And so you don't get to tell them what to do. Uh, so anyway, enough of that uh, that that stuff. Uh, what else? What else? Um, oh, we have been watching and uh, the the last, I guess, episodes or the last seasons of Dexter. We're getting caught up on that. On uh, we're also pretty much caught up on Breaking Bad. Woo! Breaking Bad, man, that is such a good show. It is so well written. Uh, and, and when you look at the character arcs, when you look at the first episode to where the characters are now, man, it's, it's, it's just one of the better, uh, one of the better written shows on television today. Um, Dexter is pretty good. I don't know. Uh, again, we're, like I said, we're getting caught up on that. We're liking it so far. So far, it's not blowing my socks off since this is supposed to be the last season and i guess you got to kind of remember that this season and last so season seven and eight are supposed to basically just be like one kind of big story arc one continuing story arc so if you take that into consideration it's it's pretty good you know if you look at it that way um if we started watching low winter sun and this is another amc show and uh We've only watched one episode of it so far. So far, it looks like it could be okay. I don't know. A lot of times, I like to give shows maybe three, four episodes in, even if I'm kind of not liking them at first, because sometimes it takes them a little bit to kind of get jump started. Um, so we'll see. We'll we'll kind of see what this one is. And this one's sort of about kind of. I guess you'd call them bad cops. I don't. I. It's 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 uh, they're definitely anti-heroes to say the least. Um, 
Much in the same way that, you know, if you look at Breaking Bad, you would say those guys are definitely all anti-heroes. They're not, what they're engaged in and what they're doing is not nice, kind, gentle things. So, um, what other stuff is there? I'm still reading. I took a break from uh, Game of Thrones, and I'm kind of jumping back into that again. Um, It's kind of like a mini preview for next episode. I uh, recently purchased a dehydrator. Uh, an Excalibur, and so I'm going to be doing, once I use that a little bit more, I'm going to be doing a in-depth review of that for my uh, recent birthday. I got myself a juicer because I've been trying to eat better and eat healthier and stuff like that, and so I can I can maybe talk about that a little bit too. Uh, other than that, I think we will draw it to a close. Hopefully the show isn't too short, isn't too long. I think it's just right. All right, my monkeys, I will talk to you very soon. Later. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Oh,